Alrighty, good morning. All the kids can head downstairs for Sunday school. And um, let's just thank the worship. Thank you guys one more time, if you're willing, with me. <laughs> you can clap in here, it's okay, let's try again. Maybe, maybe one more time. We can clap in church. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Um, first, I just want to welcome everybody. It's good to see all your faces. Um, you know, I know when the snow comes, we see our skiers in here. And uh, like Lance over here, as soon as it snows, I know he's going to be here. He's back. <laughs> and um, we're excited for the snow, I'm excited in the holidays. Um, but I also know that the holidays can also carry a lot of other things, you know, besides just uh, joy and skiing. Sometimes, you know, the holidays remind us of heavy stuff. And um, so today in this service, I was praying, and um, man, I just, I really uh, just could feel um, God's heart to hold it all right here this morning. Um, some of us are excited and some of us are grieving, and it's possible to, for those things to be side by side. And um, one doesn't, joy doesn't push out sorrow, and sorrow doesn't push out joy, and that's one of the things I want to get into today. But um, I guess I'll just announce the title, if we can just put it up today. The message is called uh, The Christmas Reaction, and I hope that that can somehow be an umbrella that holds some ideas um, from this morning, and so if you have your Bibles, um, flip to um, flip to Philippians, <laughs> flip to Philippians chapter two, or scroll or whatever you have. Um, this is kind of going to be the heart of the message, and uh, Philippians chapter two, uh, starting in verse one. It's a small book towards the back um, of the New Testament, um, but it's just amazing. The more I feel like, the more I studied. Gordy knows what I'm talking. This is what happens. It's just like there's so much here. I just get, you know, it starts to get tough because I don't know what I should say. And, you know, um, maybe as I just read it slowly, the Holy Spirit will just give you what you need. And um, so, yeah, let's just let the text speak. Uh, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, because that's where Jesus talks about we all are. We're way more connected than we realize. Um, Jesus says in John 14 through 17, we're all connected. Me and you, you and me, God and us. And um, it's amazing the unity Jesus talks about, um, even when it's hard to feel sometimes. But if we can receive anything from this unity, if any comfort from his love, who needs comfort? this morning. I do. (laughs) If any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, such good words, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, not in everything, (laughs) but in this. You know, there's a lot of room in uh, um, following Christ. There's a lot of room for different opinions, 
And sometimes the hard thing to do is just to discern what is, what do we all need to hold, and what do we give room for. But this morning, this is something we're all to hold. And this is something we can gather around. And it's having the same love, being one in spirit of one mind, um, for all of us to have a mind like Christ. And this is where we're going. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others. You know, oh, that's such a powerful phrase. Just value others. <laughs> Man. Um, above yourselves. And keep going. This is, I'll just be reading this all week. You know, there's so much life here. Um, not looking to your own interests, you know, but to each of you, uh, to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's pretty straightforward and simple. It's like there's a lot of room in our opinions, in our preferences, in our, in our whatever, all of it. But we're all to have the same mindset as Jesus. And this is what got me excited this year about Christmas. Is um, <clears throat> that we learned this mindset by looking at how God took form, the way he did. This is so powerful. The way God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, who holds everything, what did it look like when he, it says in uh, John chapter 1 in the message, when, when it says, when the word moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, and as we look at this story, when, when God moved into the neighborhood, which neighborhood did he move into? That says a lot about a person, you know? Um, what did he look like? What family was he in? You know, how all this is so fascinating to me right now for Christmas. And it's almost like today, I'm not trying to tell you guys exactly a whole um, compendium of knowledge and answers, but I'm trying to just spark an interest this year. When, when we look at the baby Jesus you know, in the manger, you know, I'm, I'm hoping this morning that this is going to, that's going to carry some meaning, and it's going to show us what God is like, the mindset of God, and it has huge impact. So, I'm just going to read a few verses. He tells us um, what Jesus looks like, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And I never thought of this verse as a Christmas verse, but it is because it's when God becomes a man. And this is kind of becoming my favorite Christmas verse. <laughs> um, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. You know, so the two images I'm, that's rocking me right now is, is looking at the birth of God and looking at the death of God and how there's a lot of similarities. And this is what it's doing right here. It's connecting him coming into form and then how he died. And, um, you know, that's, that's the truest nature, you know, of, uh, I think, of a person is how, you know, are these two 
moments, I guess. You can't really, it all, the truth comes out when you see how he died um, by becoming obedient to death and not just any death. Jesus wasn't afraid. Do you really, this is, Jesus wasn't afraid of death. He actually walked towards it. Not in a, what's the word, like a, Morbid, thank you, Pops. I know, it's kind of, thank you, dude. I need some participation. I don't have enough coffee. Um, so, yeah, help me out. But, um, yeah, not in a morbid way, but God's not afraid of what's coming after. You know, Jesus isn't afraid of death. He walked towards it. He embraced it. Even the lowest death and um, a criminal's death. Uh, an accused, he, he got accused and betrayed by everyone, and that was okay. <laughs> He's, he, wasn't, he wasn't trying to avoid that. It's crazy that the character, the person of God is so beautiful and powerful. Um, is that the last verse we're reading? Oh, one more. Therefore, yeah, so after you descend, there's kind of this natural exaltation that happens, I guess, but therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that's above every name, you know, because he was willing to go into the darkest, he actually fills everything now. There's no place God can't be. (laughs) He filled it all, that at the name of Jesus, every knee, you know, every person should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And that's a gnarly word, you know, should bow. And it used to intimidate me like, okay, that's a trigger for me, you know. We need to bow before the Almighty. But the whole time Jesus is talking about how he was bowing, humbling, lowering to us first, you know. And there's something life-giving in this bowing to each other. That um, it's sparking back this, this wisdom, this way of life that I think has a lot of fulfillment in it. Uh, Because we don't bow to each other in our culture, (laughs) you know? But what if we did? I don't know. What if we just tried an experiment like, okay, that's a good thought, you know? Or like you get in a disagreement. You know, be blessed in that opinion. (laughs) Even if I don't, and just, what would, I wonder what would naturally spark up among us. Um, your kid says something crazy to you. <laughs> Be blessed, my son. <laughs> I don't know. This is what God did. This is who God is, and this is where God connects with us. Um, and it fills everything, and that's pretty much the point. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is that the end? All right, we're going to end right there. So, um, yeah, so what's the title again? The Christmas reaction. Let's just pray and we'll, we'll dive in uh, just for a few minutes and talk about this. God, you are more loving and more humble and more um, closer than we could, we're, we're aware of right now. And uh, I just ask, Holy Spirit, would you draw... Would you open our eyes to that? Because you're right here with us. You have everything we need. Free us from our past. Free us from the worries of the future. 
Um, I just pray for my, my brothers and sisters in here, this community. Um, just carry us, God, in the holidays. And I pray that today somehow um, we could be inspired with a thought that brings life. And um, we could not just think about it, but somehow we could start to practice it and work it into our life. And um, I just surrender this service to you, and we say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Man. All right, hopefully we're going to stay focused, but I'm just going to kind of go slow. So be gracious with me. But um, So Christmas time, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's, I get really excited. Like, I just love it. <laughs> like, there's, no, like, it gets butterflies going in me. Um, I'm excited for the snow. I'm excited to hang with family. Um, my, my Christmas story, and this is me, you know, and I just don't, I don't want to be ashamed of saying, you know, like, you know, Christmas for me is, is pretty fun. <laughs> and that's because what my dad did for us and our family when I was a kid. And um, there were certain things. So we're kind of talking about this, the Christmas reaction, okay? But so I kind of want to talk about there's kind of like a, a power to a chain reaction. You guys know what a chain, you know, a chain reaction is when there's an initial spark and it bumps into something and that same energy just keeps on passing through the whole chain. So you pretty much just need to initiate the spark and then it like boom, 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 builds momentum. I kind of feel like this is how Christmas is for me because starting at the first trigger, I start to feel something. So when I was a kid, um, we did this every single year, and it didn't feel like Christmas until we did this for me because this was the first trigger. This was like the, the boom that got it going. And so what happened was my grandpa, he would get all the grandkids, and he would take us to Ballet West, the Nutcracker, in uh, downtown. And I loved it. I don't know why. I, lo- I just loved it, the music. You know, we, he would take us to Lamb's. It was like a fancy restaurant in downtown. We could get whatever we want, and it was like really small portions, you know, fancy. And as a kid, I didn't, I'm not stoked on that. I'm not stoked on a ballet. I kind of fell asleep in the middle of the ballet, but for some reason, I just loved it. Like, he'd pick us up in his truck. We'd go downtown, me and my sister, you know, until Jack was born, and we'd go see, the, see Ballet West. And um, that's why I love, we have, ball, is this Ballet West right here? It's crazy. But like, so I, that was just a, a huge part of my Christmas experience. We'd go to the show and the Nutcracker, like I just had such a fascination with Nutcrackers. I wanted them. I wanted to buy them. I wanted to collect them. <laughs> you know, they just looked awesome to me for some reason. And, you know, the beginning of the show with, if you guys all seen it, you know, with the Mouse King and the Nutcrackers and the gunshots and you know, the princess, whatever. So anyways, Christmas doesn't feel like Christmas to me unless you get some nutcrackers. So me and Joe, we were hanging out. My wife's name is Joe. Um, we were hanging out on our couch, scrolling some Netflix and, uh, or Disney+. Plus. And uh, have you seen the, the real-life version of the nutcracker on there? It's, it's awesome. I think the, the main uh, kind of father guy is uh, Morgan Freeman. You know, I don't know, it's, it's so good. His voice is such a good narration for Christmas. 
But anyways, we, so we watched this movie, and I was like, oh, I hope this is good. Maybe this can spark me up, you know, into Christmas. So we pushed play, and right off the bat, the first song is... <laughs> and like it was the exact song like strings and all and I was like yes it's happening you know and it was so awesome and the very first scene of the nutcracker is um is what is a Rube Goldberg machine like a old school you guys know what a Rube Goldberg machine is so the kids, the very first scene, maybe even the first line of this movie is, the girl has an accent, and she's like, this all relies on Newton's third law of physics. And she's, she has a, a, a fire lamp, and she's going to light this lamp. And she's like, because every reaction, or every action, will have an opposite and equal reaction, you know, as long as it just keeps bumping. And so she starts this Rube Goldberg, you know, it's like a flying lamp, and then it knocks a bowling ball, and then it knocks, you know, a littler ball, and it just kind of goes through. And right there is when it hit me. I was like, I was like, that's exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about, the, this, this reaction, this momentum, you know, of the holidays. And it was right there in my, she was like talking about, it's, it's so ironic because she's talking about, you know, in the Nutcracker movie, sparking this Christmas reaction, or this, this momentum of the holidays. So um, that's kind of like where I'm starting. So I, so I just went on YouTube real quick, and um, I found a Christmas Rube Goldberg machine. You guys want to see it? It's pretty cool. Because it was, this is actually a Guinness Book of World Records, so we're not going to watch the whole thing. So you can go home, watch the whole thing if you want. Um, I think it... I think it can work. Can it work? Oh, it can work. So we're just going to watch the very beginning and then watch the very end. But I just want you to pay attention to one thing. Um, there's the initial spark, and it builds momentum through all these funky contraptions, and it lasts for like five straight minutes. And if there is one disconnect, the whole thing is done. So everything just has to be like perfect. And so... I don't know if there's sound. It's a nice. Maybe just start it again. Start it again. Just for. Because here's the thing, too. Pause it real quick. Just because this, it requires that first initial spark of energy. And then it just is going to ride. Almost like it's out of control. So I don't know what this contraption is, but somehow they push a button and it launches a ball into motion. Oh, we got Christmas music. It's all good. So it starts, it's rolling. You know, one thing to the next. Where is it? You guys see it? Little ball shooting, you know, an umbrella with the... So it starts going, all these funky contraptions, clocks, springs, chains, you know, all these crazy ways it's all connected. Just going through. They, like, rented out an entire warehouse to break this record. And it's just one giant... Machine. So fast forward to the to four minutes and fifteen seconds. So you can go home and watch this if you want. It's insane. It's just so here's the last part, the last domino effect. And now it's in real life. It's out of the warehouse. It's just it's moving and now there's this giant group of people 
And it's all building to this moment. Oh, oh, we got the sleigh. And it lights up the tree. You know, that's, uh, that's it right there. Woo-hoo. All right. <laughs> but so that, that kind of captures what would happen for me for Christmas is the nutcracker would start. And then um, we would always go drive around Christmas Street in Salt Lake, read the story. We'd go to my grandparents' house, dance around the neighborhood, all of us holding hands, you know, somebody leading us singing New Julian, a Swedish song, but I call it Noodly Noodlian because I could pronounce that. And all these things all the way up till Christmas morning when my dad would, you know, just tee it up. And Christmas morning was just always just magic, you know, just building, 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 boom. You know, the moment, seeing the presents under the tree, everybody hugging, freaking out. That, that really was... Um, my Christmas chain reaction. Um, but, you know, as I talk to friends and as, you know, even family members, um, Christmas isn't always like that. You know, sometimes the chain reaction goes the other way. And, um, you know, I was, I was talking to my dad about it, and I'll just, just share a little bit, if that's okay, Pops. Just... <laughs> Is it okay? Just like, yep, just like his... Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to say anything embarrassing, but just to be, just to be real, like, the reason my Christmas was like that was because my dad broke a chain reaction in his family. Um, For my dad as a kid, um, he, he grew up with a single mom, his dad wasn't there anymore, his dad took off, you know, and um, my dad's experience of Christmas was one where it was kind of a chain reaction as soon as the Christmas lights start going up and the snow falls, he felt loss. And he was reminded that his dad wasn't there. Um, kind of by choice, which was even worse. And, my, you know, somehow going through that pain, my dad um, was determined to make Christmas for us not like that at all. And... Um, so, like, you know, um, just as, as we come into the holidays, I, I kind of just wanted to give a little bit of space just to say, you know, let's support each other. It's obvious, but, like, you know, shooting a text to each other, you know, seeing how we're doing is huge, um, especially on Christmas. You know, we live in a transient town. There's a lot of people who, who aren't around their families, and just what ways as a community can we support each other? And, and uh, just invite somebody over for dinner. Listen to their story. Just, just give them an ear, you know. Let them know they're loved. And, um, you know, Christmas just is that crazy combination of unbelievable joy and stoke, you know, at times. And really painful um, loss, and emptiness, and um, this, this chain reaction, um, kind of where I'm going with this is, I wanted to see the, the beginning of the Christmas story, but what, what you kind of find out if you dive in to study the Christmas story is that um, it's, it's so weird, it's like the main character doesn't show up until like the middle of the movie, 
you know? So the, the beginning of the Christmas story isn't the beginning of the Christmas story. <laughs> um, like, have you ever watched a TV show where the main character doesn't show up until, like, almost all the events have gone past? And this is, so I went to Matthew chapter 1, just to see where this all started. And this never really had much meaning for me. But I'm going to call this, this is the Rube Goldberg genealogy of faith. <laughs> and what we see here for 17 verses, we're not going to read them all. For 17 verses, it literally goes from one generation. Do you have all the verses? Let's just read them super fast. It starts, so it starts with Abraham. So just pay attention to this. The initial spark, the initial energy, the faith of this guy named Abraham. I just want to say one thing about this. This guy is literally a revolutionary human being. He did something that no cultures did at that time. Um, he left his family, he left his own land to go out into the unknown. That wasn't what cultures did. Like, I lived in a village culture in Fiji for years. People live and die in the same place and they're passed off the land and they like that security. Abraham, thousands of years ago, was a man who had it all, but something compelled him, God spoke to him, and he left what was familiar into the unfamiliar, and Abraham started what was a new faith. This faith saw God in a revolutionary way. Every culture, I experienced this in Fiji too, every culture thinks that God is a being you have to um, satiate with violence, with sacrifice. It, I don't know how this, something in the human nature, in every culture around the world, has always looked as, at the divine as something that needed blood. It needed blood. It needed sacrifice. Child sacrifice is almost a part of every ancient culture. It's but Abraham, so Abraham was doing the same thing in the flow of the re chain reaction, you know? In the human story, he's just doing it. He's bringing his child to God. He's, you know, and he was, he was guided by God to do this for a reason, you know. And Abraham gets to the top of the mountain to offer his son. He's being obedient. He's following the flow of all these religions. God stops him and says, that's not what, that's not what I'm like. And God provides. God says, put your child Take your child, see this whole setup? This was actually a familiar thing back in every culture around the world to sacrifice your child. He breaks the chain, do you see? Like, there is a powerful momentum that I don't know how it spanned oceans, but it did. And suddenly this one guy says, God doesn't want our kids like this, you know? And God... Um, is actually calling me in a different direction. And so somehow, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. My dad knows what I'm talking about. All, the, all this momentum, sometimes there comes a time in your life where you just have to put a stop to it. You know, trigger, 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 trigger. You're just going along with it. But what our God does and what I think happens in life is you will be compelled to break the chain to stop it. And so this is what happens. This is Matthew 1. And now the Rube Goldberg machine of a positive thing, this new faith, this new community, this new tribe of people, this new way of thinking, it, it passes down through the generations. 
And this is the crazy, let me just say one more thing about this Rube Goldberg. Let's read it real quick. Abraham was the beginning, the spark. Then Isaac, Isaac followed Jacob, Jacob followed Judah. Just scroll it. It just jams, like, generations. Not missing one, like, father, son, father, son, father, son. Some women, actually, which is another chain-breaking thing to include. But it's going, 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 and... Just go all the way to verse 17. Um, Rolling 15, 16. Okay. Thus, so Matthew is writing to his Jewish audience. He traced the Rube Goldberg contact from Father Abraham all the way to his message. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. David was the deliverer, the king. You know, he represented the good kingdom that would last forever. But, and then another 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and then 14 from the exile to the Messiah. That's awesome stuff right there, huh? <laughs> 14. Now, just follow me just for one more. This is, in Hebrew culture, um, letters had a correlation to number value. So the name of David, you can look it up later, but the name David is D-V-D. There's no vowels in Hebrew. And so if you add up the numerical um, meaning of David is 14. David was, almost, he was more than a person. David was an idea. David was a promise. You know, David was finally when our thing's going to turn around for us. You know, Israel is almost in its own chain reaction of oppression, you know, corruption, bad leadership, you know, struggle. And they're looking and waiting. When is this going to break? This, this momentum is too strong. We are tired of this. So in this genealogy, it's saying, you know, from Abraham, it took David you know, amount of time, 14 generations to get to the next milestone. Then from the Babylonian exile is the next milestone. It takes them 14 generations again. And Matthew's saying, you guys, we're in the 14th generation. And so this is like, 14, 14, 14. People are like paying attention now because Matthew's saying, this person I'm about to show you is the fulfillment of David. And so there's, there's this positive chain reaction and it's about to hit the Christmas tree. <laughs> You know, so everybody is very stoked. And I just want to point out one more thing, Abby. If you keep, so a few verses after this, this is kind of the beginning of my Christmas story, you know, with the wise men and stuff. But in Matthew 2, just the next chapter, verse 1. So that's the first sign is 14 generations have passed. We've been getting smashed for a while. And now this is the second sign. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And this is the next sign. And I just want to point out to you guys that um, this is so amazing because um, there is a connection between... Um, the spiritual reality 
and the physical world. There is, um, so what we're seeing is there's the, the first one is the Rube Goldberg genealogy, right? Link, written in to the generations and births and labor pains and lives is a perfect timing. This is, this is what the author's telling us. It's written into our families. So it's written, and it's written into the physical relationships of our families from one to the next, the next, the next. There's a lot of issues and bad stories in that lineage. There's a lot of crazy tragedy. There's a lot of crazy victory. Nothing stops it. It can't. It's this force moving through it all. But, and, it, and you see it in the physical genealogy, but also... You, you can experience the spiritual announcement when they looked at the stars in the universe. It's, it's, it's speaking to us. And I, I just want to say this for one reason. Instead of getting super heady, sometimes you need to pay attention to the physical um, to understand the spiritual. Let's just, I just want to do a quick little experiment with you guys. So um, I saw a pastor talking about this, but we're not going to actually do it all. But he, he had a, a woman come up on the stage and share about um, her, her Christmas. And she, she shared how Christmas is very heavy because her grandfather committed suicide. And it reminds her of that. And so the pastor's sitting there next to this girl, and he's just like, okay. Um, he's like, if you close your eyes, when you tell me that story, he's like, I want you to pay attention to your body. Because the condition of your soul is connected to your body. Um, it's, it's crazy. And he, he goes, where, do you, where are you carrying this sorrow? And the woman just goes, she's like, I feel it here and here. And the pastor just goes, wow. He's like, that's so interesting. And then he's like, he's like um, when I, whenever I ask people this question, everybody says that. And in the Hebrew culture, they taught that your heart is actually the center of your whole being. So he, he points, points, this is actually, your, your spirit is actually connected to this area of your body which is, I'm going to get to this, this is very practical and very important to realize, we can't separate the physical and the spiritual. It's not, there is no separation. You need to be at attentive to both. A lot of times when people are sick with anxiety, they're sick in their bodies. It's just, that's what happened. It's connected. If you're carrying depression and feeding depression, you're going to see it in physical illness. And vice versa. Sometimes when people have a spiritual breakthrough, they actually have a physical breakthrough as well. And so the pastor asked this girl, he's like, thank you so much for sharing that. And now he's like, I want you to talk about something that makes you so happy. And the girl pulled out on her phone a picture of her dog. <laughs> and she's like, this is my dog, and I love my dog. And he's wearing a cowboy hat in this picture, and everybody started laughing. And Rob's like, the pastor's like, okay. I want you to close your eyes and tell me where, where is that joy? And she closed her eyes and she's like, it's right here. And Rob's like, 
Isn't that interesting? He's like, how is it possible that the same place your joy is is the same place your sorrow is? It's the same, what do you call it, place. So when you feel like sorrow is digging and scraping out your center of your being, guess what actually has more room now to come in, in that same place? One of the most beautiful quotes I've ever heard is, sorrow digs your cup so joy can fill it. It's okay because it's, it's doing something to us that isn't, it's not going to drown you. So if you're feeling that sorrow in this time of year, it's digging, it's scraping, it's hollowing, it's emptying. That is the same house where joy can come. <laughs> and it will. It will. We go through seasons. We go through seasons of sorrow. It digs us out. Very uncomfortable. And we want to end it. And you feel it physically. You just don't have energy. You, you don't want to interact. There's a surgery happening to you on the inside. Sorrow. That's this, it's expanding your inside. And that's also going to be the same place where joy can go. So I just, I just, you know, I love this, how the Hebrew culture recognized that it's not just the spiritual world we got to worry about. It's the physical world. The body is sacred. The body is sacred because it's connected to my happiness. And my happiness is connected to my diet, my food. <laughs> It's all, it's all connected. It's all spiritual. It's all part of living a full life, finding, finding fulfillment. So I just, I just want to encourage us with that. And now, as, as I kind of come just to a close, um, I just want to point out one more thing, and then we're gonna, I'm going to show you guys the Rube Goldberg Christmas tree. But um, you guys know Frederick Nietzsche, right? The philosopher, he just... You know, in the Western culture, he's kind of just defines everything that's right, I guess. But he says in his book, Will to Power, he talks about how the main driving force behind human nature is um, a desire to dominate. There's something in, inside of us. There's something in the human generations that has caused the wars. It has caused the conflicts. It has caused nations rising, governments rising, falling. It has carried the human story forward. And it's this thing in us to stand above each other. And it's a Rube Goldberg chain reaction. We inherited it from our earlier generation. We did. There's this thing, there's this belief that if I'm going to find happiness, I got to be at the top, right? Does anybody disagree with this? Some, some of you spiritual guys will be like, that's not what I do. <laughs> like, but just let me make it real. When we enter conflict, who wins? Everything in our culture teaches us this. When you enter conflict, who wins? The one on top. The one who's left standing. You know, sports. The one who scores the most, most points are the ones with the smiles, shaking the champagne. When you're in an argument or conflict with a friend or family member, who wins? 
This is very connected. Huh? The, that's gr- Hillary, thank you so much. Totally. The loudest. This is what I was doing last week. I was yelling, you know, getting in a fight with my wife. Yeah. Sorry, guys. And I noticed, um, you know, something happened. I was trying to justify myself that I wasn't the one in the wrong. And I was retelling the situation, you know. And as I was retelling it, I was, you know, gaining in... My voice is getting louder. My, you know, I'm starting to rise up and do the thing, you know, because we think that there's something in us that just almost carries us to like that position, you know. And I'm like, my voice is loud. My, my anger is happening, you know. And all of a sudden, um, I would have totally kept going, and I had a lot more things to say, actually, <laughs> just to be honest. And Joe knew it too. She was just like gearing up, ready for it. She knows me. She's so awesome. And I had a lot more things to say. And as I'm retelling the story, it came to the part where our daughter was involved. And in my attitude and anger and emotion, I said her name. You know, I was like, you know, and River, you know, and when I said River, um, River was actually in the room. And she, she heard her name. And she looked at me with this confusion like I was scolding her about something. And she was just sitting there. And I saw the face of a child. Boo, dude, it rocked me. Like, it felt like an arrow. Like, boom, you know, just deflated me. And when I just saw her face, all of a sudden I realized what I, I was like, what am I doing? You know? What am I doing? It disrupted the chain. It broke it. I was, I was fueling all the way to the Christmas tree. <laughs> this is what God did in Christmas. It wasn't all, you know, the world was in a mess, man. They are counting down generations for deliverance. When is this going to end? You know? The world is in a chain reaction, you know, offense, reaction, 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 reaction. You know what I see is the Christmas, and this is a bad word for it, but I just put it just to help remind of the reaction. It's actually a Christmas response. And the Christmas response, how God would summon enough power, enough force, enough momentum this is the wisdom of Christmas it's not by God coming as this warrior to shut it down and destroy we serve a God who would rather be crucified and killed than crucify and kill he could have our God came read Philippians 2 I just encourage you guys Joe you can come up with the worship team let's think about this this Christmas God revealed this nature of utter vulnerability. A baby, not in a palace even. A, God could have come in any way, any way. 
in the middle of the conflict of humanity. And you know how God shows up? It's like River. She's just like, hey, Dad, are you yelling at me? Are you kidding me? What? It is more truthful to think of God instead of thinking God of God is like Super Bowl champion almighty. What if we called God all vulnerable? That's what he, look at the birth, look at the death, look at the, how God brings power for change. How does change come? How is growth going to come in our lives? I believe it's going to come. It's up to us when we're going to do it. It's going to come when we decide to instead of be going like this, once we embrace and believe with courage and go like this, there will be deliverance. There will be a way. The conflict will stop. The Christmas response is an absorbing. Jesus absorbed all the hatred and blame. How did he react? He didn't. So this is what I want to do, you guys. My, my life pursuit right now is I want to learn how to be a non-reactive presence. I think that's the greatest gift I can give my family. A non-reactive presence. Stop the chain. My dad did it. He was told this and that. His whole life, Christmas was terrible. He could have just passed it on to me and said, that's how it goes, you know. But God stepped in. <laughs> so um, just as we come into this last song, coming to Christmas, um, you guys, holidays are coming. Fam- nothing triggers you more than hi- family interactions. I know it. That's just how it goes. Let's be ready. Let's be ready. Trigger's going to happen. You're going to want to rise up. What if, what if somehow we were able to just stop, become a baby? <laughs> it sounds so counterintuitive, but it's the only way. <laughs> are we going to pass conflict on to our next generation? React and just pass it on? Or are we going to transform the pain? It stops with me. It stops because I want to follow Jesus. I want to learn from the master. It stops. Maybe I, I just want to pray together. Just, just as we go into the song, if you guys just pray with me, because we got the idea, right? <laughs> God, we need your help. Just thank you for your forgiveness. You know, you don't hold anything against us, and we've made mistakes. I thank you for this moment, God, where our eyes are opening and we're seeing who you are. We're seeing what you did. We're seeing the way you bring change into the world through a baby. God, I pray for every man and woman in this building to just disarm all that energy in them right now or going into the holidays. I pray for a a disruption in the chain. Would you prepare our hearts, God, as we go hang with our families, go do our traditions. We're going to respond 
with humility. Help us to catch ourselves in the moment. You know, I pray for amazing stories to come back, you know. Change comes through a baby. Thank you for my beautiful daughter. I just, you know, it's amazing just being able to witness this life. Thank you for speaking to me, God, through her. Thank you for speaking to all of us, our community. We want to build loving families. That's our priority, so teach us how. And um, we just say this in Jesus' name. Amen.